and welcome to the Raising Kilin podcast. My name is Marsh Naidu. I am a physical therapist and parent sharing my perspective of raising Kilin, my son who has cerebral palsy. I blog at raisingkilin.org where we curate resources for parents raising children with disabilities. Remember that the information provided on this podcast is educational and if you are seeking information for your specific situation to always contact a trained professional. In today's episode 75 we are joined by Angie Anderson who has a master's in education and is based out of North Wales in the United Kingdom. Angie opened and led an innovative specialist school in North Wales for 10 years, introducing over 25 different therapeutic and technological interventions to support students with learning differences. She is an author of several books published by Rutledge, including VR, AR, and AI in SIN, which is the UK abbreviation for Special Educational Needs. Angie has also presented internationally on topics related to special education. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and get ready for some awesome conversation. Angie Anderson, welcome to the Raising Kellen Show. We are so pleased to have you here with us this morning. Hi, it's great to be here as well. Thank you for inviting me. Angie, I really would like to discuss the applications of VR when it comes to a, a neurodiverse population. But before we head into that, can you perhaps clarify or give us some input as to what you consider neurodiversity to be? Well, neurodiversity is an umbrella term um, for um, learning differences, to be honest. So it, it can range from um, ADHD, autism, um, cerebral palsy, um, um, Down syndrome. It, it covers all of that. It's a vast umbrella. It's not as some people think that it's just about autism. Being neurodiverse doesn't mean that you've got autism. It means that your brain um, learns differently to the neurotypical person. So within the education field, I tend to use the term learning differences more because when we talk about learning differences, there are then specific um, ways and specific therapies and technologies and so on that can support a particular learning difference. Angie, when we talk about virtual reality and its application uh, with regards to a neurodiverse population and uh, to help support their learning needs, first of all, just to clarify for folks listening today, what would you consider virtual reality? Well, the term virtual reality was coined by Jaron Lanier in 1987. So um, he was part of the, um, the group that was working in Silicon Valley. 
And um, so he defined it at that time as a computer-generated, interactive, three-dimensional environment in which a person is immersed. And in his book, The Dawn of the New Everything, which is a great book if you want to find out even more about his ways of, of thinking, um, in his book, he goes on to give 47 different definitions for virtual reality. I would say myself, on a very simplified way of saying it, VR takes a person to a different reality to the one that they're currently in. That's all. Augmented reality, on the other hand, allows the person to stay in touch with the real world whilst they're interacting with virtual objects around them. And augmented reality is used quite a lot now in education and in um, in um, hospitals and so on and so forth uh, because it's something you can use while you're doing something whereas virtual reality as i've said is is when you go to a different reality to the one that you're in at this point in time Angie, what led you to exploring how to use vr to support your students and what problems were you trying to solve or how what integrations are you looking at when you use virtual reality? Well, in the school where I was the head teacher, all of our students were neurodiverse and they had diagnoses ranging from severe learning disabilities to complex and profound. And 75% of our students had a primary or secondary diagnosis of autism as well. So many of our students, regardless of their diagnosis, found transition difficult. So some would have meltdowns going to the dentist, um, catching a train, crossing the road, going to the supermarket. And many were anxious and had fears or phobias. Well, VR can help reduce anxieties and prepare students for real life situations and the transitions that they fear. I would say that our own private inner worlds could be full of anxieties, hopes and desires that may not be met by traditional education, which is designed really to meet the needs of the economy um, and the outside world. The traditional way of learning is often based on memorising certain facts and formulas and regurgitating them for exams. But in this technological age, we can access more information from the internet in an instant that we, than we could ever memorise in a lifetime. So in my many years as head teacher of a special school, a major concern for myself and staff were the communication difficulties and the mental health challenges students suffered as a result of their conditions. And also because of the neurotypical world outside of themselves that they have to contend with. So what I suggested was that we use technology to help neurodivergence gain control in a neurotypical world. Students with learning differences, in my experience, have shown high levels of comfort with technology for many reasons. Computer programs are predictable, logical, they can provide an intellectual outlet for those who've got specialised interests. And we found that our students born into this fourth industrial revolution were comfortable with technology. What they did find uncomfortable, however, was the actual real life situations. And I wanted to find out how we could use technology to make life easier for parents and staff 
but obviously more important for the students themselves. So how could we use the technology that they seem to enjoy to make real life situations easier for these students who had learning differences? The technology in entails presenting our senses with a computer generated virtual environment. VR activates the motor cortex in our sensory system in a way that's similar to real life experiences because VR gives us the concept of presence, the feeling of being in that virtual environment, our brain's way of telling us that the experience is actually real. Multi-sensory rooms are already popular in special schools in the United Kingdom, where students can go into a multi-sensory room and learn about colours by touching the wall, numbers, just by touching the wall or the floor, and interact with these images. In the spring of 2016, I asked the innovative technology firm in the UK, OMI, spelled O-M-I, to install their 360-degree multi-sensory room, but I wanted it with a difference. I didn't want the maths and literacy and things like that, the backgrounds they had, because we already had interactive whiteboards in the classroom that would allow all of that. I did want to keep the beach scenes that they had and similar scenes that children could benefit from and meditate on by going into an immersive room. But I also wanted background scenes that I discussed with parents that they wanted. So Omni agreed to try and in the summer recess, they installed a multi-sensory room and some 3D interactive background scenes. But these scenes were um, German shopping malls, um, French underground stations um, and so on. But, and so we felt that these needed to be more personalised for, for our locality and for our students. Um, so Omni agreed, um, because I wasn't very happy with what they'd given us, to train our staff in producing our own 360-degree scenes, which they did. So that's what they did is they trained our staff within half an hour, to be honest. I was also trained. I had loads of staff trained because if somebody's off, I don't want students suffering for not having the opportunity. What have been the benefits of using VR with students in your school to uh, support their social, emotional and mental health needs? Well, it's been a huge benefit because it's enabled students to go to places that they couldn't go to before. So we've all experienced a student who rewinds a video time and time again to help them make sense of a confusing world. We've seen students not willing to let go of an incident until it has the outcome that they expected it to have. So why not use that knowledge to recreate virtual, virtual reality situations where they can actually play back a scene? time and time again, as often as they need to, until they feel comfortable enough to visit its real life counterpart. So it, it, it's extremely helpful with mental health issues and social and emotional issues, because you're allowing them to keep going over that situation that in a real life situation would actually be too dangerous to do. And if you've ever been in, in, um, with um, some of these children who suddenly um, they've been taken on a train for the first time, they didn't realise all oh, what was going on. And suddenly it's just too much and they have a massive meltdown. And I, and I know of one father 
who was hurt so severely on the train because of this that he ended up in hospital. Um, I, I know many more incidences in supermarkets and all the rest of it where these children were in a, a situation that they found stressful for whatever reason. So by preparing them beforehand, by giving them this experience, and they actually feel they're there in a virtual reality experience, um, you're preparing them beforehand. And it, it's it's repetition, it's creating these schemas in their brain that they can go to. It's like creating a kind of computer program that's there for them when they know that they're going to go somewhere. It's like, for instance, when you go to a restaurant, say you went to a restaurant last night and it was a different restaurant to the one you normally go to. It was a Thai instead of a Chinese. And so it was different. You add the difference to the schema you've already got in your head of what happens when you go to a restaurant. And you know that that's a little addition now for when you go to that type a restaurant, this is what happens. What you're doing with virtual reality is you're giving a child a schema that they can have by practicing and practicing it and going back to that virtual reality scene time and time again, you're giving them a schema for their brain, a computer program if you want, schema if you want, call it what you want. You give it to them so that when they need that information, it's there in their brain and they haven't got to get in a panic about it. Well, uh, now your book, Angie, uh, you talk about VR to help children with real world social skills. Now, initially, that could sound a bit counterintuitive because uh, when you imagine someone using VR, you picture someone with a headset on effectively locking away from the outside world. So how can VR work to help students develop social skills? Well, there are many virtual reality apps now that will help students understand emotions, for example. Um, and you can just go on YouTube to sample some of those. One that springs to mind from YouTube is Meeting Strangers in the Metaverse, which is directed at teenagers and you wear a headset for that. But VR hasn't got to mean wearing a headset. VR enables a student to practice an experience would not be possible in real life, as I've already said. And by having an immersive room, which I'll go into in a little while, you don't need a headset. If you've got an immersive room, and we set, set up an immersive room with Omni, it cost us £12,000 for the immersive room that parents contributed towards, so we had the funding given to us. That was set up. And then... I would give staff time um, to um, go and um, create the scene that was needed and go and video it and take pictures and so on so that they could go back then and recreate it and they would be given time out of their classroom to create those scenes. So there are many apps, as I've said. VR enables a student to practice an experience that wouldn't be possible in real life. I know, for instance, of a college currently using VR for students to practice work experience situations before they actually go into those work experiences. The whole of the shop floor can be experienced in the safety of school before they go there. We use the, the VR room for transition for those who couldn't face leaving our school to go on to the secondary school. But by visiting that school and its staff in our VR room, their anxiety levels were reduced and once they became familiar with the school, with the staff, the bus ride, they felt able to visit. And we had a 100% success for transition that we hadn't had before we used VR. A research team at Texas University um, that I've been um, working with are currently using my book as a guide for their work in developing social skills 
through the app for students with special needs at the university. So there's um, a lot um, a lot of um, work going on with regard to um, social skills and you don't need headsets. When you talk about um, a virtual reality room and in your book you describe neurodiverse students learning, for example, how to cross a road safely, um, can you kind of walk us through what this room looks like? Yes, that's a good idea because then you get an idea of what it really is about. The staff and parents, as I've said, voted for several experiences that they were finding difficult with their children that they wanted us to um, introduce into the VR room. And the one that was voted for the most was actually learning to cross the road. Um, so our students had experienced great difficulties when they were expected to wait at the local pedestrian crossing because they had a waiting time of three minutes. Now, three minutes is quite a long time to wait if students are already anxious. So one of our HLTAs, Higher Learning Teaching Assistants, Helen, visited the local crossing, took 360 degree photos using the Omni cameras and so on, and made recordings of all the sounds that were encountered there. Samantha, our technology lead, transferred these onto a program on the VR computer that was connected to the rest of the VR equipment in the multi-sensory room. This produced a seamless 3D version of the crossing with relevant sounds and actions projected onto the three walls surrounding a student so that they were surrounded by a real-life situation, but they were in the safety of school. It was decided that 30 students aged from 7 to 11 would benefit from this opportunity and consent forms plus useful information was sent home to the parents. All parents consented to the trial. The panoramic view of the junction was projected onto the three walls. There were coloured spots on the floor that were beams of light projected from the ceiling and each had an image attached along with accompanying sound where relevant. These were activated by the student with or without support, if they needed actual you know, physical support, by passing a handheld controller across the appropriate colour to break the beam. So handheld controls and haptics can determine the level of vibrations. So students who are blind can actually also experience VR because VR doesn't stand for visual reality, it stands for virtual reality. And so it's possible to create a virtual reality of what stu some students have to encounter on a daily basis, whether they're blind, deaf or whatever. Um, so perhaps if required, we would have extra support with using auditory input and haptic input more for those students. So transmitters and receivers on the walls would enable an immersive experience that was very real for that student. Each student was offered an individual session of 10 to 15 minutes in length once a week, spanning a period of eight weeks. These sessions were split into three stages, and during this time, each student was encouraged in the room to act out crossing the road. It was as if they were at the crossing. They were required to listen out for all the sights and sounds. They learned how to press the button to control and activate the traffic light system, and they learned to wait patiently as they looked and listened continually. The immersive room experience is very real. 
It allows students to explore and experience situations as if they were actually present in that environment. At the third stage, students were taken to the actual crossing to see whether the VR session had been successful or not in helping them cross the road in a safe and timely manner. And during the last week, each students were taken to the crossing with staff and the success or failure of the programme was observed. It was 100% success. So students with fears and phobias are now able to build their own private secure library in their head of how to cope with social situations that ordinary people take for granted. The National Dental Association praised us at their annual meeting because they reported 100% success rate for all of our students attending the dental surgeries. And this hadn't happened before we used VR, um, because some, a lot of students actually who are neurodiverse have huge problems with going to the dentist, but VR solved that for us. For those parents out there, or just the general population really, that might think that VR is kind of an expensive gimmick, what would you say about that? Well, I would say, if you're in the UK, <laughs> check out what the... NHS, National Health Service, are now doing because they're providing virtual reality to assist people with mental health issues. And if you do a search, um, you know, an internet search, you'll find out why they're doing it. Multi-sensory rooms are in many special schools, and I think you could claim that these were an expensive gimmick. And I didn't want just an expensive gimmick. A VR room makes better use of multi-sensory rooms, in my opinion, because it's developed to assist social skills and deal with anxieties, fears and phobias. And to be honest, this takes up a lot of time in school and for parents in lots of areas of the day. All kinds of things, all kinds of transitions are happening all the time. And I know of other schools and colleges who, on top of installing a multi-sensory room, have employed outside disability nurses who use those rooms with students to deliver VR in the way that we did. VR is also, also supports their employability curriculum, with them being able to film workplaces prior to students leaving site for them to explore the safety of the for them to explore in the safety of the classroom and therefore supporting the anxiety of a new environment and new demands. Angie, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and, um, and guys, uh, be sure to check out Angie's book as well as her YouTube channel. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you, Angie. Thank you, Marsha. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for listening along with us today on the Raising Kellen podcast. Be sure to rate and review this episode. And if you would like to join us for some upcoming episode, uh, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform. If you would like to learn more about Angie Anderson, you can contact her via her website, Angie is spelled A-N-G-E, Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, therapeutic.co.uk. And I will make sure to include that information on uh, the show notes as well. 
So until next time, as always, remember, get to the top of your mountain. This is Marsh Naidu signing off.